presenting Canary P.I. in The Black Lotus of Mulgrave, a J. Henry production. When you've got the stop and you got no pop, count on Schaefer's brake pads. Brisk wind groans through my tilted blinds like a widow's lament. I breathe deep the comparably fresh air from the outside. Peeking through the slats, I gaze out into the hustle and bustle of my city. Darkened clouds hanging in a blanket of vague dread. Like if you can't remember if you left the stove on or not. A nestled pigeon on a fire escape catches my attention across the way. This is a harsh town. All the luck, little buddy. Canary. Uh, I have your mother on the line? Uh, I told her not to call me here. All right, patch her through. Raynor Preston. It's been two weeks since you called me. Your father has the worst case of lumbago I have ever seen. The bathroom sink won't stop dripping, and our upstairs neighbors are doing the Lindy Hop 24-7. Sorry to hear it, Ma. When are you going to settle down with a nice girl? Come on. You're an eligible bachelor, self-employed, thriving business. Working on it, Ma. You're not getting any younger, and I want grandkids. Look, I'm working, Ma. Oh, sure. Mr. Important can't give his mother five minutes of his time. <laughs> Reminds me of the time when Aunt Ruby's wick caught fire at the eggnog social. You see, what happened was that... I'll call you next week, Ma. Bye, honey. Baby boy. Oh, make sure you're eating. Yeah, I'm working on it. A string of failed relationships, all right. There's only so many times a lady will be stood up because you're investigating a murder. Late nights, ankle deep in fish guts at a sodding factory because someone allegedly slipped into the bat. They want to know about your day? Half the time you can't tell them for their own protection. Sometimes the details are just too ugly. I don't even want to relive them. Not to mention how dangerous my line of work is. I can't tell you how many cranium-bound blackjacks I've had to dodge, or an errant stiletto from a barroom brute. Or even worse, bullet hell from Sammy the Nose Hoffa. One of those did hit. All close calls. The truth of the matter is anything can happen at any time. I'm not a safe bet. How could I ever take a wife if I could go at any time? I can't put anyone through that. A doghouse and a picket fence just aren't in the cards for me. RP, there's a tattooed lady from the circus here to see ya. Naturally. Send her in. The doorknob turns and in comes this slender, kind of tall woman. Confidence in her strut, tight curls in her shoulder-length hair. She held out her hand, the head of an Asian dragon etched on her wrist, its body twisting and turning up the length of her arm. Sally Sutcliffe's the name, and oddities are my game. Not only do I run a curiosity tent, I'm also the lead performer. Take a seat and tell me what vexes you. Everything peachy. Ain't no vex on these decks. Well, good. There's the door. Thanks for visiting. Ah, yes. I heard you can be ornery. I also heard you're pretty nifty with the six-shooter. What's the job, Sal? You see, I'm always on the lookout for talent. Talent jumps in and out all the time. 
Sometimes we travel to a city they want to settle down in, sometimes we lose them to their afflictions, which is very sad. Me? I'm a lifer. I love what I do. Cigarette? No, I only smoke Chesterfields. Anyway, we always put the word out that we're looking to employ. You would be amazed how many criminals and unsavory hucksters this can attract. No, I wouldn't. I need someone to protect me. The carny world is filled with frivolous people sniping talent for other traveling shows for a kickback. All you would need to do is sit in the corner and look pretty. Make sure nothing goes south. Easy peasy. Lemon squeezy. I'll take the job, but we do it here in the office, on my turf. That'll do her, Canary. I'll be here tomorrow at the crack of 11am with the riffraff. Talk to my secretary for the invoice. She nods and walks out of my office. Sounds like a routine bodyguard job. Done my fair share of them. Never worked with Connie's before, though. Connie's and Canary. More like Connie's and Rube's. I don't mind if she has me pegged as a Rube as long as the money is green and no one gets hurt. Noon. Next day. She's an hour late. Maybe I've been stood up like a chaste prom date on a Sunday. Spent the morning tidying up the office, figuring how we're going to do this. She's going to sit behind my desk while she interviews her cavalcade of disparate misfits. And I'm going to sit in the corner reading my paper, strategically next to the sawed-off under that loose floorboard. I highly doubt anything is going to happen that my trusty 38 can't handle. I'm Miss Sutcliffe here to see you with a train of colorful personalities. I go into the small lobby outside my office, packed full of eccentrics dotted with a few unassuming people. Now look everybody, we don't have enough room for you all, so this half is going to have to come back in a couple hours. Try Leo's down the block. Corned beef that'll knock your socks off. I whisper to my secretary that she better take the rest of the day off in case things get hairy. She opens her pocketbook to reveal a 22 that could fit in the palm of your hand. She winks and goes back to typing. I call Sally in alone to explain how we're going to be situated. She nods and seems content. Now don't move the ashtray, I got it just where I like it. Do your thing, Canary's got your back. You talk in the third person. That's precious. I crack a sarcastic smile and get settled in with my paper. Whoever's first may come in now. In comes a greasy head fella carrying a dummy. We don't normally hire ventriloquists, but give us your pitch. Hello. My name is Edward, and here's my friend Boo-Boo, the idiot dummy boy. <laughs> oh, brother. We got your information. Next, this is going to be a long day. A seemingly endless line of sword swallowers, jugglers, geeks, magicians, and dancers. Most of their routines stunk like yesterday's catch. We've been at this for hours. What do you say about calling it a day? Eh, Canary? Hey, it's your gig. I'm good for one more. Next, the rest of you lot, go home. I think we got what we need. Try again next time we're in town. In walks a hulk of a man, shaved and groomed impeccably. In my younger years, he would have made me nervous. Since then, I've dealt with many young punks. Lucky you, you're the last of the day. He takes his hat off and introduces himself. Good day, ma'am. I'm here for a job with your entertainment outfit. Take a seat, Muscles. Just so you know, we already have a strongman. I'm not here for that position. You see, well, I'm a lycanthrope. I've been accused of being a misanthrope, but what exactly is the lycan variety? Shush. We also already have Wolf Boy who suffers from trichosis. That's nice, but I'm real. I'm a real werewolf. Oh, crime in Sicily. That came out more audibly than I meant to. I got the side eye from the both of them. My story's tragic, long, and storied. Well, you better get yapping. It's getting late. I come from a place far away from here. Somewhere in, let's say, Europe. Let's call it the old country. But your accent, you sound native to this city. I've had a long time to adapt. I settled here about 60 years ago or so. You don't look a day over 30. Yeah, 
My condition seems to have granted me long life. I am not immortal. I don't think so, at least. I roll my eyes behind my paper. Better send your secretary home and order some food. This has piqued my interest. Gold country is beautiful, green and lush in spring and summer. Mild falls. In winter, the snow-topped hills line the horizon. Beautiful land. That place holds my heart, along with another. I was an average boy. An only child. Did okay in school, but didn't excel in anything. I was to become a farmer like my father. I looked up to him, and I loved the farm. People sometimes fight their destiny, but I was happy where I was and where I was going. And then there was Rose. Red flowing hair that would put the seventh circle of hell to shame. Eyes so blue you'd need a life raft to find yourself out of them. I was such a shy boy. When we first met she came right up to me and we talked like we were long lost friends. She was my flower. At 20 we were set to be married, but I will get to that. She sure sounds like a special lady. Yes. Everything was going according to plan. I was set to lead the farm and give my father some more time to enjoy life while he was still relatively young. My mother died giving birth to me, and he vowed never to take another woman's hand. I kept at him since he was so lonely. He was starting to come around to the idea of having another companion. The doorbell rang and I left to answer it. I returned laying a paper bag containing three carns of chop suey and frosty bottles of pop. And we divvied up our food. Oh, much obliged. My main crop was wheat, but we had all kinds corn, barley, and this rye-type plant called triticale. It started when I was still a kid. We would hear things deep in the wheat fields about once a year. A violent symphony of guttural screams. Not of man or any beast that I've heard. We dare not go in under the dark suffocation of night. The next morning we'd find animals, or what used to be. Circles tamped out in the field with gobs of flesh and fur littered about. Bones snapped like toothpicks. Once we found a fresh deer skull completely crushed. I stuck my chopsticks in my food and laid it down on the side table. My father seemed almost ashamed and kept their secret for some reason. After years and years of this happening like clockwork, my father had enough. He was older but strong from a lifetime of manual labor. He said no more we let the sanctity of his home be spoiled. He lit a torch and took a large hand axe and told me not to follow him no matter what I heard into the field that disappeared. No crickets. No rustling stalks. No more hell screams in the distance. It was as if nature itself was holding its breath in anticipation. It was the longest 30 minutes of my life. What happened next? The wheat parted and he emerged, battered and bloodied, but very much alive. He said he met a demon in the field that night. The crop their coliseum. He grabbed his torch from behind flame first, extinguishing it. It was not faced. Before even the smell of burnt hair registered in his nostrils, it stood before him. It was as big as a bear on hind legs, angry as one too. By the light of the full moon, its eyes glowed a sickly yellow. I peeked out the side of my newspaper. This guy might be a number one candidate for the funny farm, but he sure tells a captivating story. He should work for the pictures. It raised its curl claws up in the moonlight and it came down swiftly, slashing my father, leaving four lined gashes across his chest. And then it was on. It was graceful in the darkness. The only sounds that rang in my father's ears was his own heavy breath. He wrestled with his beast twice the size, but he was putting up a fight. It was a pace he knew he couldn't keep up. By the grace of Gup and Gip, he sank the axe right into the meat of the beast's thigh, opening up a major artery. It was the only time he heard it grunt. Sally looked on enthralled, completely lost in his story. Frothy teeth sank square into my father's shoulder, 
He pulled the axe out of the beast's leg like some kind of macabre King Arthur, and all he could remember was flailing with everything he had left. He was victorious. The beast laid lifeless in the crumpled wheat my father retreated. I dressed my father's wounds and put him to bed. I tossed and turned all night but was able to get some sleep. My father slept until late afternoon, unprecedented. When he finally awoke, I pressed him about going to the field. I wanted to see it. He knew I wasn't going to relent, so he insisted he go with me. There was certainly a fight in the field that night. It looked like a murder scene, but there was no corpse. I could track it coming in for 10 yards, but not out. Where to go? Spooky. The next couple years were mostly uneventful. Nothing stirred in the fields except what we planted. I noticed some changes in my father. His shoulders widened, his salt and pepper darkened. He had a youthful glow about him, but he was still himself by all accounts. He was happier than I've seen him in a long time, and he started seeing a woman from town. I was 20 now. I had become a man in my own right. I was set to marry Rose, and my father wasn't going to be alone anymore. Tell me about Rose. What was she like? She was beautiful as I've ever seen. Voluptuous and passionate. We tried to wait for marriage, but it was a fool's errand. When we made love, it was as if our spirits danced with and threw each other above us. She wanted a large family, and I was going to make that a reality for her. Anything for my flower. Rose. She was also smart and talented. Took to anything once she put her mind to it. She had become a school teacher, which made sense. Patience was something that came naturally to her. She was able to tame the most troubled youth. Not only was she loved by me, but also by her students and all of the community. Please tell me you married Rose. Please tell me she lived happily ever after. The week leading up to our wedding, she radiated life force. Everything was falling into place and I was the happiest I had ever been. We had agreed not to see each other three days before we walked down the aisle. The day before we were to be wed, I was working a farm with my father. He was feeling under the weather, so I told him to go to the house and I'll take care of the rest. And then I heard it. I was confused at first. Like a phantom sound I haven't heard in a lifetime. But it had only been a few years. The screams I used to hear deep in the wheat fields. This close to sounded more like a howl. I grabbed my pitchfork and I ran towards the house. There laid Rose on the front porch, her body lifeless, a basket of food strewn about. She couldn't wait any longer to see me and had come to surprise me with supper. No, 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 no. I heard glass breaking and rummaging through the house. With pitchfork in hand, I ran towards the sound. The demon my father spoke of had returned. It stood eight feet tall on its digitigrade legs, an unholy visage of a bipedal wolf. It had killed my bride-to-be. It faced me, and I saw red. I dropped the pitchfork and I lunged on top of the beast. I choked the life out of it with my bare hands as it gnashed its frothing maw toward my face. I watched his eyes go glassy and I let go. As I turned to run the rose, it jumped up disoriented and latched onto my arm with its steel trap jaws. He pointed to his arm where a faded scar was, and it could have been anything. I was able to reach the pitchfork and I speared it in the face with a blunt end. It released its grip. I raised the pitchfork and I plunged it square in its heart. I watched in horror as his wolf and demon metamorphosed in front of my eyes into the corpse of my father. I ran to my rose. Neck snapped. There was nothing that could be done. She was gone. Sally looked on with tears in her eyes, trying to choke out words but was unable. My father had just killed Rose and I had just killed my father. No one would believe what happened here. I placed sheets over their remains, not affording myself a moment to grieve. I quickly packed the bag and I ran. You poor man. She was finally able to croak out a sentence. I theorized my father saw the same thing. He snuck back into the wee field after his grizzly showdown, carried the human corpse off the scene and buried it. 
covered his tracks. How could he explain it to anyone? I walked over to Sally and handed her my handkerchief, assuring her it's clean. She dabbed her eyes and blows her nose. My suspicion that this affliction has been passed to me was confirmed in the coming months. My muscle mass seemed to have doubled, despite living hand to mouth on the road. I was able to survive as a day laborer in whatever town I was in that week. It was no problem getting hired for a big guy like me. There's nothing magical about my sickness. I believe it to be very much biological. It's not what you read in scary stories. Full moon has nothing to do with it. Silver, this was to be my wedding ring. He held up his ring to point her finger. No effect. There seems to be an incubation period which fooled us into a false sense of security. After I'd taken hold, I speculate there is a hormone that builds up in your body. It takes about a year to trigger a flare-up. This is just conjecture since this isn't something that they write about in medical books. I have become attuned when the change is going to come on and I plan accordingly. I am able to live a relatively normal life without murder. This year I turned 120. Any case would be long closed by now. I am ready to go back and face my tragedies. Back to the only place I was happy. Back to Mulgrave. 100 years ago and across the drink? <laughs> That's out of my jurisdiction. Sir, that was something else. You are hired. If I'm any indication, this story will have our patrons bawling their eyes out and tugging at their purse straps. You can start tomorrow. She stood and walked around the desk and embraced him. Her flowing blouse dropped from her shoulder to reveal a crude lotus tattoo in black ink. I hate to break up this warm moment, but it's late and I'm out of cigarettes and I want to go home. Good night. I look at the window at the empty nest and the fire escape across the way. I watch over the past few months as the pigeon progeny went from egg to squab to adult and they took off to God knows where. I take a seat tapping the postcard that came today on my desk. It seems that Sal and our mystery man eloped. Took off on a steamship to the wild blue yonder. One quack after another. As long as the check's clear, a job's a job. Good for them though. If they can find happiness and strengthen each other in these unlikely circumstances. There's hope for us yet. Voice acted by, in order of appearance. J. Henry as Canary P.I. Jenny Dyer as Canary's mother. Alex Tong as Sally Sutcliffe. Written, directed, and edited by J. Henry. Music by Pedro Sparza, Kevin McLeod, and Vivek Abhishek. Further information in details below. For information on collaborating, contributions, or just want to keep up on the current scoop, Follow us at twitter.com forward slash rpcanarypi. This concludes the broadcast.